Good morning, guys. It's good to see you. My name is Ryan Swindle. I'm the pastoral intern here at Rockwall Prez. And if you're a child, or if you're a child at heart, I have good news for you this morning. This morning marks the last Sunday in what we call the ordinary calendar, which means the next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. That's right. Christmas is officially coming. It's almost time to open presents. And I can't wait. No, I mean it. I really can't wait. And get this, I don't have to wait. Because you see, next Friday is Black Friday. The day when all the coolest stuff is on sale. The day when mom gets up early and buys us all the stuff that our heart desires. So next Saturday, I'm going to get up before anybody else wakes up. And I'm going to sneak through the house like the Grinch. And I'm going to find those presents. Little ones, are you tired of waiting for Christmas? Would you like to open your gifts early? Then look in mom's closet. Look underneath her bed. Seek, and ye shall find. Then again, the look on mom's face tells us that's probably not a very good idea. Maybe it's better for us to wait. Because after all, that's what Advent's all about, right? Advent is all about waiting. No, Advent isn't all about waiting for presents. Advent is about waiting for the present. Advent is about waiting for the gift. Advent is about waiting for God's gift to his people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have life everlasting. Advent is about waiting, waiting for Jesus to arrive. So this morning, I'd like to preach to you about what it means to wait. To wait for the Lord with all our souls and with all our hearts and with all our might. To wait and hope and trust and the promise, the word of the master, that he will come to his people once again, just like he did so long ago. So we should start by asking, how are we doing how are we doing with our waiting? Are we waiting well for the gift that God has for us? Are we waiting patiently? Are we waiting hopefully? Are we waiting actively? Like kids who get up each and every morning before Christmas to go look under the tree to see if mom put another freshly wrapped present underneath it. Is that how we wait? Is that how we wait for Jesus? with excited hearts and eager eyes, thrilled to see his presence in this world? Or have we grown tired of waiting for him? Have we busied ourselves with other gifts in the meantime? Have we used anything and everything to take our minds off the task at hand? Have we grown lazy? Have we grown bored in our waiting? Have we kicked our feet up? Have we forgotten who we're waiting for? Are we acting like a bunch of grown-ups 
who secretly wish that Christmas would just hurry up and pass us by. Advent is all about waiting, but waiting for Jesus ain't easy. And as the late great Tom Petty said, the waiting is the hardest part. And he's right. He's totally right. Waiting is the hardest part because waiting takes time. And we don't like taking time. We can't stand it. We don't do waiting. We want what we want, and we want it right now, right? And if we can't have what we want right now, what do we do? We go find something else to want so that we can have it now. So how then are we supposed to wait for God to reveal himself to us? How then are we supposed to wait for God to reveal himself in this world? God knows that we struggle to wait for him, guys. So he teaches us. And he reminds us what it means. And that's what today's passage is about. It's all about waiting. It's all about how to wait and wait and wait for the Lord. In Luke 12, Jesus gives the disciples a parable about a master who goes away for a wedding feast. And the master goes away to celebrate. And when he does, he leaves his house. He entrusts his household to the care of his servants. He gives his servants very clear instructions, and he wants his instructions followed to the letter, and he wants them followed no matter how long it takes. His servants, well, they're left responsible to care for his household and to wait for his return, to greet the master the moment that his hand knocks on the door, and to meet the needs of their fellow servants, those who are poor, those who need help, those who can't care for themselves. And what will the master do when he returns? What will he do for those who follow his instructions? For those faithful servants, he will do something truly extraordinary. He will return to those who served the poor and waited for him. And he will dress himself like a servant. And he will invite his servants to his table. And he will feed them with his own hand. Such is the master's love for those who obey him, for those who care for his house and wait for his return. Such is the master's humility that he would stoop low to serve those who stoop to serve the poor. But those who disobey him have another thing coming. For the master is not only loving and humble, he's also just. He's just toward those that he entrusts with the care of his house and he's just toward the poor of his house. And so he promises to return to those who fail to wait, to those who fail to follow and serve their fellow servants. He promises to return when they least expect it, and he promises that they will get what's coming to them. So the master leaves his house, and he's gone a long, long time. And before long, some of his servants begin to wonder, is he really coming back? Maybe he is, but maybe he isn't. It's hard for them to know. And so they find themselves faced with a choice, and it goes something like this. Will we be faithful servants? Will we wait for the master to return? 
Will we serve those who can't serve themselves? Or will we serve ourselves instead? And so some find themselves doubting the master's word, that he'll return to his house and knock on his door. And before they know it, they stop looking forward to his return. And they stop serving his household. They forget their master left them with provisions and time to care for those in need, those who can't help themselves. And instead, they take their sweet time setting his table for their own feast. And they feast, and they feast, and they fill themselves up with gluttony, and they make themselves sick. And when the needs of the fellow servants threaten to interrupt their feasting, what happens? They become violent, and they become oppressive, and they put the poor back in their place. And once the servants have stopped waiting for their master, once they've consumed and oppressed to their heart's desire, what happens? Well, they find themselves exhausted, exhausted with their own vice, and they fall fast asleep into a coma of their own making. They abuse God's provisions and his people so much that they pass out, out of the light of day and into the darkness of night. Ah, but then the impossible happens. The servants find themselves woken up by a loud pounding on the front door. And yes, the master comes and does what we least expect. He returns. He returns from his wedding feast. And he finds his house littered with empty wineskins and half-eaten loaves of bread. And he finds the poor starved and half-beaten to death. And the master remembers his promise. He wastes no time finding those who failed to do what he asked, those who failed to wait, those who failed to serve his house. He finds them hungover and bloated with his bread and his wine. He finds them, and he treats them like the transgressors they are. And he beats them, and he cuts them into pieces, and he buries them with the unfaithful. Now, what on earth do we make of that? This parable sounds more like the work of Tony Soprano than it does Jesus Christ. And yet... These are the words that Jesus has for us. Why does Jesus talk this way to us? Why does he give us words of judgment? Words of judgment to those he loves more than he loves himself. Jesus talks this way because he knows what happens in his house when he leaves. Why is it that when we're left to wait, we tend to stray? Why is it that when we're left to wait, we tend to focus on ourselves? Why does this happen? Well, it happens because servants long to serve someone, don't they? It happens because servants need to serve a master. And if our master is nowhere to be found, what do we do? Do we remember his words? Do we trust and cling to his promises? Or do we make ourselves the master that we long to serve? 
Jesus shares this parable with us because he loves us. Because he loves us. He talks this way because he knows how important it is for us to wait for his return, to stay awake, to keep from falling asleep. He knows. He knows that all of life boils down to this question. How do we wait for the master? So he says these words, and they are hard words, but he says them. He says them because he doesn't want us to be caught unaware. He wants us to know that everything depends on how we wait, on how we wait for him to return and knock on the door of this world. So as we look ahead to Advent, how exactly do we wait for Jesus? How do we do it? How do we keep our eyes on the prize? Well, Jesus tells us how to wait for him. And he tells us in the clearest and most practical of ways. He tells us we can stay awake by selling our possessions and giving to the poor. We can stay awake by selling our possessions and giving to the poor. We can wait and prepare for the master's return by giving the master's provisions away. The very provisions that he left us to care for those who can't care for themselves. We can give to the poor by giving to our benevolence fund. Giving to our benevolence fund empowers our deacons to meet the needs of the poor among us. Giving to our benevolence fund empowers our church to meet the needs of those who can't help themselves. And we can give to the poor by shopping CRI's Compassionate Christmas catalog. And you can find that at CompassionateChristmas.org. And I think we've got one catalog on the sound booth over there. Parents, shop through the catalog with your children. Teach your kids how it feels to be excited about giving things to people who have nothing. Teach your kids how it feels to give Bibles and miracle milk. Milk for the body and the milk of the gospel for the soul. And in these ways, we provide ourselves with money bags that do not grow old. A treasure in heaven that does not fail. Where thieves cannot approach, where moths cannot destroy. For there where our treasure is, our heart will be also. But what if our treasure isn't? in heaven? What if our hearts aren't there at all? What if our hearts are set on the treasures, on the feasts of this world? What if we look to fill ourselves and our money bags full here and now to use his provisions for our own gain? What if we find ourselves looking forward to Black Fridays? What if we find ourselves looking forward to Cyber Mondays? What if we find ourselves looking forward to anything, anything but the Master's return? Well, fear not. Our Master knows his household. He knows our hearts. He knows we struggle to wait. He knows that over time we're prone to doubt he knows in time we're prone to forget. He knows that given time we're bound to fill ourselves up and fall asleep. That's why he gives us the poor. 
That's why he gives us the poor to care for. That's why the poor will always be with us. The poor stand before us as a lowly reminder that our master has a heart for the poor and that we should too. The poor remind us to seek first the kingdom. The poor remind us to put his house first in our hearts. And the poor remind us that someday our master will return. And in his presence, we will all feel poor. And the poor remind us that in his presence, we will all be rich indeed. And in the meantime, the poor stand before us like lowly prophets calling to us to wake up, to wait. And when we care for them, we find ourselves reminded. We find ourselves looking forward to our master. We find ourselves looking forward to when he'll return. And when he does, he'll serve us. He'll serve us the same way that we serve the poor. How strange is that? How glorious will that be for him to return and greet us, for him to dress for service like a servant and seat us at his table? How wonderful will that be for him to serve us with his own hand? In the meantime, RPC, fear not, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, Provide yourselves with money bags that will not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that will not fail, where no thieves will approach, where no moths will destroy. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wake up and wait. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Be like servants waiting in Advent, like servants waiting for their master to come back. So that when he comes and knocks, you can greet him at the door immediately. Blessed are those who the master finds waiting when he comes. For he will dress himself for service. And he will invite them to his table. And he will serve them with his own hand. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's go to him in prayer.